Kelly. Hey, Courtney. How does a sexy witch get ready for a hot date? I don't know. How? She puts on a lot of mascara. (laughs) (laughs) It's spoop hour. paranormal comedy podcast ordinarily hosted by two halloweenies currently hosted by one halloweenie and one very special ghost today's special ghost is the amazing the incredible kelly from the awesome podcast boobies and newbies kelly would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what you do oh my gosh you are so kind i i'm so not used to being introduced like ever (laughs) i'm used to yes i'm used to doing the introducing so this is a treat um (laughs) not a trick (laughs) I am Kelly and I host Boobies and Newbies. It is a comedy romance novel review podcast. I am a longtime reader of the romance genre and I bring unsuspecting newbies to the genre (laughs) onto the podcast to read and review their very first romance novel with me. And we have a lot of fun, a lot of laughs and... I am in the fourth season right now, so it's Amazing. been a a treat. Um, I, I'm so excited with how far it's come, and I there are plenty more romance books to read, so yeah. you're not getting rid of me yet. <laughs> Your podcast <laughs> is about to go to kindergarten. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they grow up so fast. <laughs> well, thank oh you for my being gosh. here. Sasha and I actually were on an episode of Boobies and Newbies during Cocktober, my favorite podcast like a lot of podcasts have like special titles and whatever for like special times of year cocktober is my very favorite one (laughs) so oh it's the most wonderful time of the year it truly is and we were honored to be a part of cocktober well and it was so fun having both of you and you graced me with some wonderful tidbits about (laughs) what was crystal dildos we talked about crystal dildos how the butt is a super highway Yes. Oh, my gosh. There are so many fantastic quotes that I could have pulled from that episode. Like it was it was a treasure trove of information. Spoop Hour can be found on the Internet on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Spoop Hour Two P's like poop, like spooky poop, like Sasha is fond of saying. You can also email us your firsthand ghost stories or if anybody you know has ever seen a ghost or had anything vaguely spooky happen to them. Or if, you know, you have a weird thing that you can't explain, email spoophour at gmail.com because we want to hear about it and give you our unsubstantiated opinions on them <laughs> and whether or not it was an alien or if it was just a weird light or a big owl. Email spoophour at gmail.com and we will tell you, alien or owl. <laughs> so, Kelly, the question that everyone has asked, regardless of whether or not they are a ghost, did anything spooky happen to you this week or at any point in your recent history? Oh my gosh, Okay. 
So first of all, I feel like it has to be said that after a year of living in my tiny studio apartment, <laughs> I I find just about anything spooky. Sure. Like if I if I just hear a noise, if I see a random light, the first thing I wonder is like, okay, who is here and what do they want from me? <laughs> but I will say I you know what has been happening to me a lot mm-hmm. and maybe this is me reading into it, maybe this is happening to everybody, but I feel like lately I'll be having conversations with people about, say, what was the one the other day? I was talking to my dad about, oh, I was talking to my dad about Winnipeg, Canada. Sure. Don't ask me why. <laughs> I have no idea how the subject of Winnipeg, Canada come came up. However, the very next day, I see a headline across all my social media pages that's related to Winnipeg, Canada. <gasps> and I feel like this has been happening a lot lately where like I talk about something or I read something in a book and then just a day or so later, that concept or place or food or whatever it is re-enters my conversations or my life. or And it's just so weird. Like there have been times where I'm literally reading a word on a page And then I get a text message and that word is also in the text message. So I don't know if I'm just like having these weird ass premonitions (laughs) or what it is. (laughs) This is part one of the movie where you're like, things aren't quite right. So this is act one where you're like, something's going on. And then in act two, it's going to be the big reveal that you're actually psychic and you're going to do something because there's going to be like a heightened emotional state and you're going to like move some shit with your mind or something. And then you're going to be like, it all makes sense now. So, and I just like stick out my hand, like stop. And then like beams of light shoot out of my fingers. Yes. Yeah. So that's where we are. So in like the next two to three weeks, You know, that's going to be. Well, I feel like if that's the case, I've been stuck in act one for like five years. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really long movie. It's like Boyhood, which they shot over what, like 12 years? Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So in like seven or so years. Okay, great. Just as I'm reaching my like 40s is when I'll be able to to really make an impact with these these powers that are being thrust (laughs) upon me, apparently. What are we talking about today? (laughs) We, We are talking witches and sexy spells and love spells. I, I'm here for all of this. Yes, good, because I have a game to start us off. And this game is called Feel the Love. So are you ready to feel the love? I'm so ready to feel the love. So... The way this game is going to work, it's going to be testing your knowledge of ingredients used in medieval love potions. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) So for each option, you'll either say feel in the love, meaning that the ingredient was used in love potions, or no thanks for random things that I came up with or just me Googling like what was around in the medieval time period but wasn't used for love potions. So this comes courtesy of historyanswers.co.uk, medievaltimes.com, yes, the place where you go and you watch people joust, and medievalrecipes.com. So the first one. Human remains. Are you feeling the love? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to feel the love. You should. Powdered bone was a very common ingredient in love potions, as were pubic hair and menstrual blood. 
Mmm, tasty. One known spell very specifically required the bone marrow and spleen from a murdered boy. Oh, God. Like for a love spell? For or a just love like spell. a. <gasps> that really. Mm, I feel that like, hurts me. I feel like the goal was like, if you know a boy who has been murdered, you dig him up and you get his spleen and his bone marrow. I feel like there's going to be some people like Burke and Hare who are like, what if we just cut out the middleman and make some corpses? It's going to be like, well, what if we mm. just like make a murdered boy and then get his spleen and bone marrow? See, where is this Netflix show? <laughs> that's that's the one that I'm missing. Like, yeah. I want to watch this story. <laughs> love spells. Just horrible, horrible things that we used to drink to make people fall in love with us. You ready for the next one? Okay. Mercury, are you feeling the love? You know, I mean, okay, here's the thing. Is I feel like at one point or another, all of these things, like, could have been used in love spells or just spells that you know what I'll say I'm gonna say feel in the love no no thanks oh. mercury was used as a medicine generally to treat syphilis okay. but it was not part of love potions so it was treating the after yes. effects it's, of a love spell it's once the love potion works and you're getting busy and then you're like uh oh I need to see a doctor I got the clap yeah the doctor's like I got you bro here's some mercury hope it doesn't kill you Medieval times were not fun. Mm. Don't don't get your advice from medieval doctors. They they did not know what they were talking about. All right, animal remains. Are you feeling the love? I mean, we had human remains. We did. Yeah, I mean, I could see a, a chicken bone or two. You know, let's 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 say we're feeling the love. You are feeling the love. <laughs> Sparrowheads, deer hearts, stork droppings, snake fat, ass testicles, and I put in my notes, because <laughs> ass testicles, and so on, were all components of love potions. Wow. Ass testicles. There's an image that I'm going to have <laughs> they mean like in the my testicles head for a while. Of an ass, of like, an a, ass. Like, like a donkey ass, but like ass testicles. I'm just seeing butts. I'm just seeing butts. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of butts, honey, are you feeling the love? Honey, honey definitely has like healing properties. So, I mean, I feel like it could have been, you know what? I mean, but I've been going with love this whole time. So let's mix it up. I'm going to say like, nah, what's the opposite of feeling the love? No, no, thanks. Unfortunately, (laughs) you should have been feeling the love. Uh. (laughs) Honey and mead both were common components in love potions because their sweetness was believed to favorably sway your intended's opinion of you. Oh, so it would make them sweet on you. And then it would like sweeten the relationship if you put a little bit of honey in there. Plus, if you're grinding up bones and putting it in something, you're probably going to want to put some honey in there, too. You got to sweeten it up somehow. Right. In the same way that like if you're making a spinach smoothie, you're going to want to put like a tablespoon of peanut butter and a banana in there. Because if you're just going to drink straight spinach, you're going to hate yourself. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have to put enough stuff in the smoothie to make it not be completely green. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, Mm-mm, we're not drinking grass today. No, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Your body's just like, mm, no, thank you. No. Nope. <laughs> All right. Eels, are you feeling the love? I mean, I definitely am not <laughs> feeling the love on that one. Um, I am going to hope, I am going to hope that people weren't feeling the love on this one either and say no. You are correct. 
eels were used <sighs> in regular food. So, because, like, if you lived near bodies of water, you would have eels, and, like, meat was okay. kind of hard to come by. So, like, eel pie became a thing, but they didn't <gasps> use them in love potions. Eel pie? There's like, a- of all the things you could cook with eel, we're going with pie? One, it's medieval times. It's the UK. They put everything in a pie. <gasps> No offense, UK listeners, but you know I'm right. And two, if you watch on Netflix, it's The Great British Bake Off, The Beginnings, I think it's called. And it's like one of the earlier seasons of The Great British Bake Off. They do an episode where they're talking about like it's their like medieval renaissance bakes episode. And they're talking about they do a little segment on eel pie. You know, what's so funny is I just watched that when I was home for the holidays with my family. Mm -hmm. But they would do those little history lessons yep. in the middle of each episode. And my dad just would fast forward through all those because he's like, he sabotaged I just want to see the cakes. <laughs> <laughs> you could have known that thing about eels, but he sabotaged you. It's so true. Thanks a lot, dad. Thanks, dad. Jeez. Mm. <laughs> all right. Orange peels. Are you feeling the love? Okay, I'm a big fan of orange in a lot of stuff. Like, I feel like orange essential oils are great. I I feel like it would be like honey. It would be a great way to sweeten things up. So I'll say I'm feeling the love. No, you are not. <gasps> they had no bearing on love potions, possibly because citrus was really hard to come by. That's why getting an orange oh. at Christmas was such a big deal is because it was hard AF to get an orange in medieval times. In like but we, Europe, because because but we make eel pies. Well, yeah. <laughs> if oranges were in the river, they'd make orange pie. <laughs> good point. Good point. Okay. So, all right, worms. Are you feeling the love? Okay. Well, if we're going with <laughs> things being available to us and oranges are not, I'm gonna say there's plenty of worms. So I will say yes. Feeling the love. You sure are. <laughs> Worms were believed to ensure love between a couple and promote fertility due to their ties to the earth. So it's like, you know, they're they're in the dirt all the time. They've got that Mother Earth vibe. And obviously, once the person falls in love with you, you're going to want somebody to be pregnant soon. So you need yeah, that fertility yeah, help. So grind up They some look worms. like penises. Like The website that I found that was listing all of these ingredients did not comment on their phallic shape. So I don't know if it's because they were trying to be proper or if they just didn't make that connection. Like, I imagine medieval times, it's just dicks and butts all the time. But Yeah. I think they know. They know. I think they know. Like, I think they're like, mm, the we're earth. just not, yeah, we're just not going to acknowledge it because we know everybody else will. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know it's worms because of their ties to the earth. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Dried chili pepper. Are you feeling the love? Okay, this is definitely not like a European, like this would be more of like a South American, Central American. Okay. Yeah, you know what? I'll say I'm feeling the love. That's, they're spicy. Why not? You are not feeling the love. What? Even though they are <laughs> spicy, your medieval love potion would not want this kind of heat. Um, my medieval love potion would. <laughs> you must be at least this spicy to get this medieval love potion. Please and thank True you. Dad. <laughs> All right. Roses, are you feeling the love? Okay, so this sounds like this makes perfect sense. 
I'm going to be really upset if this is a no. So I'm going to say, yes, I'm feeling the love. You are feeling the love. Okay. <laughs> so Rose's magical purpose in medieval times was pretty much exclusively the love potion. You would not use roses in a spell unless you were doing some kind of love spell. That was like their whole thing. Okay. So That makes sense. On the other hand, primroses. Are you feeling the love? Okay, I don't know if I know the difference. Like, is that still a flower? It is still a flower. Primroses. I just think of that Prim girl from that's Katniss's, Katniss's sister. sister. From the Hunger Games, yeah. <laughs> this is what Primrose looks like. Oh. They come in several you know, different varieties, so you can get different colors. Like, they are pretty, but they don't give me love feelings. So I'm going to say no. You are correct. Primrose was commonly mm. used in medieval salads, and they would decorate <gasps> churches with them in May, but it was not used for love spells. It does look like a church flower. Doesn't like, it? Like, I'm just, looking at it. I'm like, this does look like the exterior garden of like a church. Yep. I see it. <laughs> All right. Peony. Are you feeling the love? Okay. I love peonies. Side note. I just love saying peony. peony. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years old, Kelly. <laughs> Let's see. Peony. You know what? I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll say yes. I'll say I'm feeling the love. No, thanks. Oh, okay. Peonies featured in medieval tapestries and paintings, but did not have an impact on love potions. So you'll see them on a lot of like tapestries of the time, just like a big fat peony, but. <laughs> <laughs> big fat peony. <laughs> Press one to be connected to big fat peonies in your area. Ooh. <laughs> All right. And the last one. Beetle wings. Are you feeling the love? Oh, boy. I feel like I've kind of caught on <laughs> and that if things are in high supply, such as worms and eels and your dead boyfriend's bones <laughs> that they tend to be good for love spells so beetle wing how do you I'm not gonna ask questions I'm just gonna say yes I'm gonna say yeah I'm gonna say yeah I'm feeling that love you are feeling that love this is gonna be where it makes sense for you the wings of the blister beetle better known as Spanish fly was considered an aphrodisiac and added oh. sexual potency to a love potion, even though it could kill you. Yes, yeah, it's the trade-off, mm -hmm. you know? And then you go and treat it with, uh, what, what were they treating? Mercury, gotta get some mercury yeah, to so follow that up. You gotta, like, you chug your love potion, and then your beetle wings <laughs> fuck you up, and then you just do a quick mercury chaser, and you're golden. <laughs> chaser like now I'm just envisioning like a a cocktail party back in the day and like what that looked like yep, basically <laughs> so that was the game are you feeling the love I'm a fan I'm a fan I, I'm well done and then my understanding is you also have a little game for us to play I do I do so we were talking about witches and spells and love potions and I I, I've always had, I feel like, a fascination with witches. Like, I don't know about you, but I feel like ever since I watched Hocus Pocus oh. when I was, like, 
six years old, like my friends and I would run to the park and play Hocus Pocus and everyone would fight about who got to be Sarah, the sexy one. And <laughs> yep, Sarah we was would, the one I wanted to be. <laughs> right? I mean, there was just something and we would we would literally take brooms, like household brooms oh. and put them on swings at the park and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm flying on my broomstick. Nah, kid, you're on a swing with like a broom. But (laughs) I combined my love of witches with my love for the game Mary Fucker Kill (laughs) into a game I'm calling Mary Fuck or Ghost. (laughs) I like it. Because I don't want to kill, I don't want to kill any of these broads. We're just going to ghost them if they don't make the cut. So I have five rounds and I've divided them into different categories because I'm that person. I love it. Let's go. We're going to start with some childhood classics and I'm calling this category animated witches. Okay. So your choices are Ursula from The Little Mermaid, The Evil Queen from Snow White, or Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty. I think I'm going to marry the evil queen from Snow White because I respect a bitch with a plan and, you know, she's going to keep it spicy in terms I of I love it. In, in terms of sometimes she's going to be like an old lady and sometimes she's going to be hot AF and staring in the mirror like, <laughs> let's go. I think I'm going to fuck Ursula cuz she just yes. seems like she'd be into some like interesting shit. And then I think I'm going to ghost the one from Sleeping Beauty because she can turn into a dragon and I'm not interested in that kind of heat, you know? Like, if I were to marry her or fuck her, I feel like that would just, it would go badly. (laughs) I I love, well, and honestly, I think I'm going to be boring and say that I do the same thing. (laughs) That can make sense. It does. Like, I'm just like, I don't need to bring a dragon into my household. Like, that's, that's a lot of drama. Although, I will say... The evil queen from Snow White, like she's got major issues when it comes to self-confidence. Sure. Like, but like, you know, <laughs> who among us doesn't get a little insecure sometimes and turns to our partner for reassurance being like, hey, I'm I'm hot, right? Like you, you'd tell me if I yeah. weren't hot. Like, you know, I yeah. get it. I feel like we'd be staring into the mirror a lot. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I actually, for that reason, I might switch her out for Maleficent. I'm not sure. But absolutely 100% I'm gonna fuck Ursula because you know she gonna be a bad bitch (laughs) (laughs) makes sense yeah plus like here's you know I feel like when she's not trying to poison you with the apples the evil queen from Snow White would probably make a bitchin apple pie because those were beautiful apples ooh yes I like this reasoning okay okay Okay, I think these are all excellent pitches. So the next one, the next category is called classic witches. And these are all witches from movies and television shows. However, they're from a different era of movie and TV. So first up, classic, Samantha Stevens from Bewitched. Ooh, classic. Secondly, The Wicked Witch from Wizard of Oz. Classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Comes with monkeys, obviously. Yeah. And then finally, one of my favorites, and this is like the movie that I I try to make everybody watch if they didn't see it when we were kids, which is Eglantine Price from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. <gasps> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, oh, played I by thought I knew who the my lovely was going to be. Angela Lansbury. <laughs> Amazing. I think 
honestly, I think I'm going to marry Angela Lansbury because, one, I feel like she would teach me some of her magic, which would be dope. Because, like, the other two, it's they're not, like, you know... Samantha doesn't try to share her magic with Darren. She just tries to, like, use her magic, and then Darren's a stupid yeah. mud about it. And <laughs> the Wicked Witch of the West, she's not going to be wanting to, like, share power that way. But I feel like Eglantine, she's, one, going to teach me how to use magic, which would be cool. And, two, we would then use magic to fight Nazis, which... I mean... <laughs> that's the fucking yes. dream. <laughs> Like, that's all I want out of my life. Like, when people are like, what's your dream career? And I'm like, witch who fights Nazis. Like, yeah, forget about There's it. There's a so. movie for that. And not enough people know about it, which makes me so upset. Yeah. Yeah. So probably going to marry her. I guess I'm going to marry or not marry some. I'm going to fuck Samantha. OK. Just because, you know, I think I'd have to ghost the Wicked Witch, mostly because monkeys <laughs> freak me out. Like, just, like, like I don't think they're cute. And, like, not even just, like, the flying monkeys, but monkeys as a concept kind of freak they're out. They're mean. Yeah, they're, they're really mean they're creatures. Mean, they're aggressive. I don't think they're cute. Even when they're babies, they're fucking weird looking. Like, I don't, I don't like monkeys. So I think for those reasons, I would have to ghost the Wicked Witch. Plus, she, like, you know, you can't, she can't get wet, which means she's probably never showered. Which, I don't want any of that in my life. So, yeah, oh my I guess. gosh, I didn't. I love how you think about these because, like, <laughs> you're you're going from like every angle. I I didn't even think about the no getting wet. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that rules out any like sexy times in the shower. But like, she oh, can't there even you go. shower. She has to smell. <laughs> like, she's what? Like in her thirties? Like, same. But like, I can only imagine the level of stink I would have achieved if I'd made it to this point of my life without ever without bathing. Showering. Yeah. Like, ugh, Jesus. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you actually helped me solve my dilemma oh, of choice okay. then because. I for sure am going to marry Eglantine. Like, she... Bedknobs and Broomsticks, by the way, this movie is, like, the most bonkers concept. (laughs) But it is so good. And, like, they fight Nazis. They go underwater into, like, an animated kingdom. And Mm -hmm. then they play soccer with lions. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... It is outrageous. But it's so good. And she... She was a great, like caretaker she brought in like a family like uh, some children and like is taking care of them I really I really like her um and I at first I was thinking okay wicked witch I bet you could have some like really dirty sex with her I was thinking that too but then I was getting bummed about like ghosting Samantha yes exactly and and I think Samantha she's got like that twinkle in her eye like Mm -hmm. I think Darren is like the stick in the mud Mm -hmm. that brings her down. And so she just needs somebody more fun. And I think we could, we could have a lot of fun together. So I'm going to fuck Samantha. Yeah. I wanted to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Excellent choices. (laughs) Uh, We're going to have to share a lot of witches between the two of us. I'm fine with that. And I'm sure they will be too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. And then I've saved what I consider the best for last. Ooh, and okay. these are who I call the baddest bitches in town. Okay. And obviously, we got to start with the Sanderson sisters from Hocus Pocus. Classic. Classic. Winifred, Sari, er, Sari, Sarah, and Mary. I just combined them and I made their, their shipper name, yeah. Sari. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, the craft coven okay. from the craft. So we've got four 
really powerful witches in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, Nancy's a little cray cray, but I feel like it'd be fun. And then finally, she's one person, but she could give off the energy of seven. And that's Melisandra from Game of Thrones. Oh, I was not expecting her in that last slot. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like, you know, even though the other ones are groups, she takes up like so much energy. She's basically a group. Mm hmm. I'm going to explain my logic on this one because I feel like it's going to be controversial. I'm going to marry the Sanderson (laughs) sisters, obviously, because they seem like they'd be a blast. And, like, when they thought they were hanging out with the devil, they were really nice to him and, like, rubbed his back and stuff. And that's, you know, that's all I'm looking for in a partner is someone (laughs) to rub my back. I am going to... I'm going to fuck Melisandre, I think, because I would be afraid of consequences of ghosting her. Like, I feel like (laughs) that would be... I don't think she would be like, I understand and respect your boundaries. She'd be like, I'm She'd coming. Stalk you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like also yeah. she would probably be a great lay. And like, she would be like, this, we're both in it for one night, we're good. But like, I feel like if I ghosted her, it would be like a whole thing. And I'm going to ghost the craft mostly because Nancy is cray. And I don't, I don't need that mess. <laughs> I'm stressed as it is. Yeah. That's, this is a tough one for me because mm-hmm. I feel like, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. Like Melisandre, she would also be somebody that I wouldn't just want to hook up with once. Like I'd want, I'd want like her number to like call her every time I'm in town kind of thing. Although I feel like it would be the opposite. I feel like she would call me whenever she's in town. Yeah. She'd be like, Hey, I'm in town again, just through like Thursday. But you know, what are you, what are you doing? Want to grab a bite? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and I love the Sanderson sisters and the women from the craft are just oh, they're so good. They're so good, but you're right. It's they're good. They're when they're at their best, they're fantastic, but when Nancy is pissed, there's going to be problems. Right. And it's like, I just want to steer clear of that. Because like either of the other two situations, there's going to be complications. You know, like in a marriage, we're going to fight. Like you're going to leave the cereal yes. box open and the cereal's going to get stale. And I'm going to be like, okay, well, can you go buy some more cereal? And Nancy's going to fly off the fucking handle and God only knows what right. she's going to do to me. And right. Like, well, and then in Hocus Pocus, Sanderson sisters, anything Winifred says goes. Yeah. Like, so it's like you you kind of have to like get on board with yeah. Winifred like for it to like work out. So mm, okay, I think okay, mm, this is tough. Yeah, it's one where I, it's like I kind of don't want to marry any of them just because like <laughs> they all have like such stark consequences. <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna switch it up and I'm gonna say that I. Oh my gosh. I think I'm going to marry Melisandre <gasps> just because I feel like she, I feel like if I could get her on board with like our relationship, she would like support our togetherness yeah. to the end. I also like, like she's super religious <laughs> and I'm not particularly religious. And I feel like mm-hmm. she would really want me to be like in her. Oh, yeah. Like she's that like a problem. Yeah. Okay, now I'm having second thoughts. <laughs> Actually, it's more it's more like fifth thoughts. You know what? I'm just going to say that I, I might end up doing the same thing. I think I'm going to kill the or ghost, ghost yes. the craft coven as much as I enjoy them. Like, I feel like I would want to be friends with them, but mm-hmm. only 
only on my own terms. And then I think I'm going to marry... I think I'm going to stick with it. I think I'm going to marry Melisandre and I'm going to fuck the Sanderson sisters. And you know what? Melisandre is religious, but if she's, you know, I've got my side pieces. Like I can go hang out with the Sanderson sisters. When she's doing her like Lord of Light thing. Yeah, exactly. Like we can live, we can live separate lives. It can be very like Bridgerton. Like we can be (laughs) married, but apart. (laughs) I like it. That was a great game. This is a game heavy episode. All right. (laughs) Are you ready to get into the history of love spells and sexy magic? I'm so ready. All right. So this all comes from Wikipedia, Give Them Money, TheConversation.com, ThoughtCo.com, and ScienceAlert.com. Spoiler alert, there's no science. So love spells have been around since ancient Mesopotamia, where since roughly 2200 BCE, cuneiform tablets documented erotic magic rituals. So this is Mm. an old AF tradition. Mesopotamian gods had richly documented sex lives, spawning Sumerian myths like Enlil and Ninlil and Enki and Ninjursag. In the former, the goddess Ninlil followed her lover Enlil down to the underworld and bargains with those she finds there, sexual favors in exchange for information about where her beloved is. In the latter, the male deity dons a false identity to woo and seduce his lady of choice, and godly sex had big world consequences in Mesopotamia. When Ereshkigal, queen of the underworld, was spurned and abandoned by her lover, she threatens to literally raise hell by raising the dead if he did not return to her. I love all the power that these women have, Mm -hmm. because I feel like my mom teaches ancient history, and so I feel like when you hear about, like, ancient Greece, it's all about how Zeus is just, like, taking on all these forms to go fuck around, but... Mm -hmm. He doesn't really suffer any consequences because he's Zeus. And so I like that in this specific lore, mm-hmm. there's there's women fighting back and like literally raising the dead. That's yeah. fantastic. In the Epic of Gilgamesh, Ishtar also threatens to raise the dead when she is romantically rejected by the king of Uruk. Ishtar somewhat mm. regularly entered into what's called a sacred marriage, which was a marriage between her as the goddess of love and the Mesopotamian king. The sacred marriage was crucial to the maintenance of the earthly and cosmic order, so there was significant pressure for kings to perform. So the fact that the king of Uruk was like, no, thank you, I do not want to marry you, like, she was well within Ooh. her rights to be like, I will burn this motherfucker down, so I will ask <laughs> literally. again. Yeah, like, I will yeah. <laughs> literally destroy the universe, so I will ask you one more time to take out the goddamn garbage. So, <laughs> moving over to ancient Egypt, you have the Greek magical papyri. Yeah? It's the plural of papyrus. Oh, okay. I kept writing this word and did not think about how I would pronounce it. Papyri. (laughs) I like it. Papyri? (laughs) Papyra? I don't know. Papyri. Papyruses. I don't know. A collection of spell books from between 200 BCE and 500 CE, so about a 700-year chunk. Inside, you'll find standard spell fare, so stuff to cure disease and demonic possession, spells to find thieves who took shit from you, all that good stuff. (laughs) And of course, there are quite a few love charms. They range from the simple, like to get a certain woman at the baths, rub a tick from a dead dog on the loins, to the more complex, an irresistible love spell of attraction. For the latter, for instance, you need to use fish blood to write a spell invoking demons on a donkey skin, appropriately called Uh. ass skin, 
Then you wrap the skin in vetch, which is a plant with pink flowers, and hide it in the mouth of a recently deceased dog. This is straight from my notes. Side note, I don't know what I was expecting when I started researching the history of love magic and sexy magic, but there are a lot more dead dogs involved than I would have thought. I really want to know who came up with these spells. Like, who was the person, the first person to say okay, you want him to fall in love with you? All right, well, you're going to have to go get the skin off an ass Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to wrap this up in it. And then I'm going to need you to kill a dog. And And after you you kill the dog. In the dog's mm -hmm. mouth. And it's just, I, it's amazing. Like the fact that somebody, first of all, believed this, but also that somebody had the mind to come up with this. Like they really do sound like an amazing improv actor. (laughs) Yes. And a tick from a dead dog's loins. And this yes, certain and. Plant. Yes, and. <laughs> and I also wonder, like, did they try things? So they're like, okay, so we tried wrapping the spell in reeds from the banks of the Nile. That didn't work. So let's try this mm. other flower and see if that works. Or, like, we tried the skin of a cow and that didn't work. So we we know now let's try the skin of a gnat. Like, Gotta be a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> so... Another spell has the user get an iron ring inscribed with Hippocrates, the Hellenistic god of silence, seated on a lotus, then wear said ring while they shout magical words at the moon from a rooftop. And this is what I'm talking about. This is what I want. I like this one. I like this one a lot. Stand on a roof and scream into the night. That's that's what I'm talking about. Ancient Egypt was also heavy into love potions, including one calling for a fragment of your fingernail, an apple seed, and some of your blood. So you crush the apple seed, mix your blood in it, and then you put it in a cup of wine. You then recite a particular spell seven times and then have the object of your affections drink the wine at a special time. There's also a variant of this spell that involves a dead man's hair and semen. So basically, ladies, if some rando offers you a cup of wine that he mixed himself, do not take it. This is this must be where the whole idea of don't take strange don't take drinks from strangers came from. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like it goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. Yeah, there could be a dead dude's hair and semen in it. Just don't take it. Bring your own yeah. wine. You yeah, know, it's fine. Your semen semenless wine, please. Yes, please. Thank you. Egypt was also a fan of the love doll, which was a practice in which a doll was made to represent the object of desire, most typically a woman who either didn't know of their admirer's affections or was not interested in that particular person. The most well-preserved love doll is the Louvre doll from the 4th century CE. The Louvre doll depicts a naked woman kneeling with 13 needles piercing through her body. I will post a picture on the Instagram. It is upsetting that this is like, this is going to make her love you. So, like, what's the purpose? Because, like, it sounds like what I would think of as, like, a voodoo doll. And so I'm wondering what the needles, like, is it meant to be instead of feeling pain? Like, ooh, these are the places of arousal she's going she's going so, to experience. Great question. So the woman is Ptolemaeus, and the man who either made or commissioned the spell was Sarah Pammon. As the Louvre doll implies, a lot of Egyptian love magic was sketchy on the topic of consent and was more frequently about brutal language that tended to focus on violence against women until they gave in and accepted the affections of their pursuers. So it would kind of be that like voodoo, like she's going to suffer until she loves me, which isn't great. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. So consequences for rejection could be things like not being allowed 
air quotes, to eat, drink, go out, or sleep, or being dragged by the hair or guts until you stopped with the spurning. So the goal of many of the Egyptian so-called love spells was less romance, more control and domination. And some historians say this is because ancient Egypt had kind of a macho culture that emphasized victory above all else. So like whether Mm. it was a chariot match or like you're trying to win a lady over, the extreme language was believed to like help you win. So like if you were super intense and be like, may she feel like she's on fire and that worms are eating her feet and that her face is flying off. Like they believed the more intense you were in your language, the more likely it was the spell would work and it would become more powerful because you were so like passionate into it. Oh, interesting. I think it's just like, this is entrenched misogyny in culture. Like, yeah, women could also do... Egyptian love spells, so that's the only reason why it's not 100% misogyny is because everybody was being kind of a dick about it, but it was more common for men to be doing this kind of like, I want her to be in pain and suffer until she learns to accept my affections. That's terrible. I feel like my mom is not teaching that to her sixth grade (laughs) students, so I'm going to have to pass... (laughs) Pass that along to her and, you know, (laughs) let her know what they've been missing out on. (laughs) So there's also an ancient Egyptian love spell that was only deciphered after 1300 years of like us having it. So the text, it features two bird looking creatures facing each other and it has a few fragments of biblical stories written around them. One scholar with the University of Strasbourg in France suggests that this spell in particular was designed to unite two lovers who were separated for some reason. Among the Bible references is a mention of Ahitophel, who deserted King David, possibly to lend the spell the ability to avoid the bad influence of desertion. So it's like, instead of my lover deserting me, they're going to come back. The text also mentions exotic deer musk perfume, which was used to bring lovers together. That was believed to, like, they're going to want to come. Like, my exotic deer musk perfume brings all the boys to the yard. So Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah it does. Because it makes them horny. Hey. Hey. It does. <laughs> also, as a fun fact, the Greek magical papyri, whatever... It wasn't all heteronormative. There were two spells specifically dedicated to women loving women. In one, a woman named Herias calls upon Anubis and Hermes to bring her beloved Serapis to her and bind them together. As a side note, it's not uncommon. Like, Hermes is obviously a Greek god and Anubis is obviously an Egyptian god. So it was very common to use, like, multiple cultures gods because it was believed Mm. it's kind of like hedging your bets so it's like well if it turns out that egyptian gods aren't real maybe the greek (laughs) gods will be so my my at least we've got hermes yeah like one of them's (laughs) gonna work out and if they're both real then it's gonna be super powerful (laughs) in another same-sex spell a woman named sophia pursues pursues a woman called gorgonia with the kind of spell usually seen in men targeting women Burn, set on fire, inflame her soul, heart, liver, spirit with love for Sophia. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yikes. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of these like burning yeah. love experiences. I, I, I like the I like the sitting and yelling at the moon yeah. and Classic. manifesting love that way. Like I can get on board with that, yeah. but yeah, physical pain, hmm, no, thank not you. so much. Yeah. So hopping over to ancient Greece, you get a lot of love and erotic magic in the Hellenistic tradition. They mm. also use the Greek magical papyri, as the name would imply. It's the Greek magical multiple of papyrus. 
And it also relied heavily on amulets and other artifacts for their magical practice. So you would have, like, a thing that would help you make whoever it was love you. Hellenistic love magic also had pretty specific gender roles ascribed to which kind of magic was practiced. Men practiced eros magic, while women practiced philia magic. So, these magics were set on a gender binary due to the gender roles of men and women in ancient Greece. Women who were wholly dependent on their husbands were mostly doing spells to reinforce love so that they could keep their man around. Because if the man fucked off... He was free to leave at any point. There were no consequences for ditching your wife. But if you were a wife who got ditched, it was like, well, you better hope you find another husband because that's all there is for you. That's all you've got. It's that or, you know, prostitution in the streets. Yep. So it wasn't it wasn't a great time to be a woman. And so philia magic was a lot of like trying to get your husband to fall back in love with you or like really feel strongly about you. So he wouldn't just pick up and leave because he could do so at any time. What is it? What is it called? Philia? Philia? Yeah, like, we use it to describe, like, fetishes. No, that's that's what I was thinking of, too. And that's why I found that so interesting, was I was like, what an interesting term that we now apply to, like, having a fetish for something. Mm-hmm. So, because the, the word itself, I think it just means, like, love of. So, like, yeah. it's, a, it's a love spell in the, like, romantic love sense, where it's like, I want my husband to love me, so I will do the spell. Whereas Eros magic, Eros, you know, is kind of like, this is where you get the erotic kind of magic, where it's about, like, Mm. inflaming passions and whatever. Real quick, in ancient Athens around 419 BCE, one woman was taken to court on the charge of attempting to poison her husband. Mm -hmm. But her defense was she wasn't trying to poison him, but she was instead trying to administer a love potion to reinvigorate the marriage so he wouldn't leave her. But because it wasn't a science... You know, it was accidentally, oops, he got a little poisoned. Yeah, and, like, where do you draw the line, right? Like, right. oh, I I decided, we were out of deer antlers, so I decided to put in some... Hemlock. I, what, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, how dare you? Yeah. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't a ton of science involved in this process, so, like, it was easy to accidentally poison somebody. Philia spells could also be used as aphrodisiacs, so women would spread ointments on their clothing or that of their lovers and sprinkle herbs and food as part of its practice. And, again, this is just to, like, strengthen that pair bond so that the man won't go, all right, well, I'm going out and I'm never coming back. Bye. They would also knot cords, use incantations, or brew love potions to encourage that kind of, like, stronger romantic love. Mm-hmm. Commonly, Selene, goddess of the moon, Helios, god of the sun, or Aphrodite, the hashtag iconic goddess of love, would be called <laughs> upon to get that extra dose of godly power behind your philia spell. In the myth of Hercules, Deonera uses a centaur's ointment on Hercules' clothing to keep him from abandoning her for his new lover, but she accidentally used too much of the ointment and it proved fatal. So, well, sure, you know, I mean, we've can you seen- trust centaurs. We've seen this so many times. <laughs> <laughs> Never. If a centaur gives you an ointment, just don't use it. Just don't. Put it in the garbage. So some theories behind the prevalence of philia magic credit them as a sort of therapy for women. Even if the spell didn't work, the woman practicing philia magic would feel more comfortable about her situation and more in control of what was happening. And this is a big deal because women of the time were so completely dependent on their husbands, like, Even if the love spell doesn't work, you feel like, I have done all that I can do to get him to stay. I went so far as to use magic, so this is all I could do. If he leaves, it couldn't have been prevented. Isn't that so sad to, like, think about? Like, can you imagine, like, using that 
defense in like a divorce hearing or something like, well, you know what? I, I did everything I could. We went to a therapist. I used magic. Like, I don't know what else I can do. Your honor, what else was left for me? I did everything I could. He still left. Literally. On the other hand, you have men practicing Eros magic. One example involved a gold ring inscribed the love charm of Polymius. So this ring either helped him enhance his natural sex appeal, or he gave it to the woman he desired as like a secret token of their love. So she could like wear it hidden in her clothes and like, no, he loved them Mm, even if they couldn't be together mm -hmm, for whatever mm -hmm. reason. As part of Eros magic, men would practice agoge spells. I think that's how you say that. I don't know. These were designed to lead women to them. These spells were supposed to help women burn with passion and often called upon Eros, the Greek god of erotic love and what we eventually used to become Cupid, which is kind of funny. <laughs> women who came under the thrall of an Eros magic spell would be driven to sexually fulfill the man who cast it on them. So like, it's not about like, I want to make sure my husband loves me so he doesn't leave me and then I lose everything. It's more just like, I want her to fuck me. So I'm gonna cast this spell. Yeah, there's clearly a difference between the types of spells that women are casting, Mm -hmm. which are for love and security, and the ones that the men are casting, which are very much just about sex. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Worth noting, though, and this is where I was like, okay, you've grown back on me, Eros Magic. I'm less mad about you. The only women who typically practice Eros Magic were sex workers because their station in society afforded them more freedom than women because women who weren't sex workers, their only power was in their husband. But if you were a sex worker, you're like, I mean, what are you going to do to me? I'm already a sex worker in ancient Greece. It already blows. So I'm going to do this spell so that I attract the best clients to me and I make that bank. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. Eros magic, unfortunately, did have a dark side beyond the issues with consent where it's like, you know, you're using magic to get somebody to fuck you. It was often used not just to entice, but also to curse. So let's say your desired person was already in a relationship. You could use Eros magic to curse their current partner, causing them to be discredited, harmed, or killed, thus freeing them up for your affections. Uh. One curse inscribed on a lead tablet found in Boeotia, Greece, focuses on Zoas, the wife of a man named Kabira, who was desired by the spellcaster. The curse goes like this. I assigned Zoas the Eritrean, wife of Kabira, to Earth and to Hermes, her food, her drink, her sleep, her laughter, her intercourse, her playing of the kithara, and her entrance, her pleasure, her little buttocks, her thinking, her eyes. Like, it's an intense curse. Often, Mm. lead tablets like this one would be folded over and pierced with a nail aimed at the name of a target just for that extra, like, bad juju behind it. They were then thrown into rivers, sacred springs, or graves of the recently dead, or just generally hidden away. So this was something, like, you didn't necessarily want people to know about. So you were like, I'm just pissed. I'm going to hide this under the bed. Yeah, Yeah. naturally. (laughs) Other variations on curses like this would call upon Pan, the god of the wild, Hecate, the goddess of magic and witchcraft, or, as a fun twist, Aphrodite. Because, you know, she didn't handle being scorned well, so she'd be like, oh, you got scorned? I'm in. That's fine. I got you. I got you, boo. I got your back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So coming out of Greece, you also have a non-gender binary option for magic in the Eonks. The Eonks was a small, sexually ravenous bird that could be used for various sex magic reasons. Men could tie it on a wheel and torture it with the goal of filling their desired person with an irresistible and burning lust. I don't know why the men have to torture the bird. Maybe just ask the bird nicely, but okay. 
And women could use the eonks as a magical object for an agoge spell, with one such depiction seeing a woman chant to the eonks to bring her man home. I, I'm still stuck on the first <laughs> sentence the introducing the bird. <laughs> and that, that was sexually ravenous? Yes. Like, I just... <laughs> I'm just like, where, where are we getting this friends? Where, why are we bringing animals into all of our activities? Let's be real. We all know how ancient Greece liked to party. It's pretty tame that the bird is involved. Oh yeah. I know. God, anything. I just, any sexual act that is revolving around or involving animals in any way. I, I'm out. I'm out. The good thing is they aren't trying to, like, have sex with the bird. They're just trying no, to use no, the bird. No, no, we're just going to torture the bird. Yeah. Like, no problem. We're just going to bury things inside of dead dogs, it's you know? It's fine. It's for love. It's You're for welcome. love. It's, basically, <laughs> I'm very romantic, so what are you going to do? So Greek love magic could also be used to cure a couple love and sex-adjacent medical issues. So Marcellus of Bordeaux suggested that the best cure for a waning sexual desire was the right testicle of a rooster worn in a pouch around your neck. There it is. There, Yeah, gotta bring in the animal. Gotta bring in the sexy, sexy birds. Mm. And then Alias Promotus, an Alexandrian physician, believed that barley soaked in menstrual blood, wrapped in the skin of a mule, and tied to a woman would serve as a contraceptive, possibly because would you want to fuck someone who was wearing barley soaked in menstrual blood, wrapped in the skin of a mule, and tied to them? Oh, Sweet. Wait, where where are we tying this? That's what I want to know. It's like know. we've got barley clear. soaked in menstrual blood, wrapped in the skin of a mule. I imagine it would be like some sort of like sachet around your neck, but I don't know. It wasn't. I don't think he specified where you wore it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> are you ready to move back over to medieval times in the Renaissance? I. Yeah, let's okay. do it. So these are these are like you still have the issues of consent with these love potions, but they're they kind of made me laugh because it was kind of class warfare. So love magic during the Renaissance mostly focused on marriage because magic at the time was very expensive. So if you were gonna invest in a spell, you wanted it to be like worth it. And there was also a belief that casting a spell could cause severe harm to come to you. So it's like it oh, has to be okay. something that like you are willing to get hurt over. So People came to focus on the most serious reason of all, marrying for money and status. Absolutely. What else could you possibly want to cast a spell for? Like, that's that's reason number one. It makes sense because at the time it was basically impossible to climb above your social class to marry someone who was important. But the only way to marry somebody important was basically if you were an important person as well. So, like, you need that magical leg up if you're going to marry yourself out of poverty. So, love magic was considered one of the only ways to socially advance through a strategic union. These spells were thought to only work if you kept them a secret, but, like, there was also belief that, like, if the target found out that you cast a spell on them to make them love you, they might be flattered by being like, oh, you you like me so much, you cast a spell on me? Oh. And then that, that helps it work, because <laughs> then they're, like, flattered. The typical target of love spells were men and women of status and favor. So, like, your upper class people, you know, those are who you're going to... Because, like, if you're going to cast a love spell that could potentially, like, hurt you severely, like, aim mm-hmm. big. Don't don't go for, like, some random, like, 
peasant serf. Go for, like, oh, yeah. a fucking knight of the realm. Let's go. Like, I'm going for a lord. I'm not going right. for, like, the shopkeeper's son. Right. Like, no thank you, innkeeper's Mm-mm. nephew. I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm going for that, like, guy who's got, like, 40 tracts of land and has, like, four servants on staff. So, thank you. Most of the spells relied on clay dolls or written spell scrolls hidden in the altars of churches or holy candles lit in ritual. Because, interestingly, like, at the Renaissance, people were very Christian. They wanted to do the love spell, but they wanted it to be okay with Christianity as well. So they kind of blended the two together by being like, well, I'll put my love spell in the altar at church. So then I have that Christian power behind it. I have my pagan power behind it. And then I'm definitely going to marry the baron of my dreams. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a basic overview of the history of sexy magic and love spells. It's amazing how, you know, it's. Like, clearly there's some change because, you know, obviously times change, things evolve, but it's really interesting how between ancient Egypt and Mesopotamia and Greece, how today there's still so much in common, like Mm -hmm. as far as gender roles go and living in, you know, a patriarchal society. Like, I mean, it's just... It's just annoying to me, like, how little has actually changed. Yeah. (laughs) I do find it interesting, though, how, like, today people have kind of, like, adapted magic and spells. Because, like, I I mean, I I have a a good friend who I've had as a guest on the podcast who runs a business called Hex Apothecary. Mm -hmm. And she she writes custom spells. And she, you know, will do tarot readings and everything. And... I love hearing about magic today and spells today and love potions because they seem a lot more focused on like the individual as opposed to Mm -hmm. making somebody else love you. Like, what can I do to better myself that'll make me more open or attract a better potential partner as opposed to I'm a feed this bitch secret (laughs) serum and And she doesn't know what's in it but then she'll love me and if she doesn't I'm gonna drag her down the street screaming until she does (laughs) yeah like it's more about the law of attraction where it's like I am the best version of myself and I'm putting good vibes out into the universe so that people will be drawn to my positive energy rather than like people are going to be drawn to my energy because I have secretly dosed them with a tick from a dead dog yeah and my semen naturally (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) who wants some come and get it (laughs) it's so interesting though I really do find that all very fascinating excellent excellent research thank you i had a great time reading it and a lot of it i was like this is this is upsetting i don't like this yeah it was fun yeah. time <laughs> just a little bit of rage rage before bed well do you want something that will hopefully end your raging and yes. give you something to enjoy and appreciate about magic and witches and love spells. (laughs) Yes, please. Less about like sketchy consent issues and more about yay, fun. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. So obviously, Boobies and Newbies is a romance novel review podcast. So I felt that my efforts would be best spent bringing to the table a few book recommendations. Love it. That Involve witches, spells, magic, and 
I was actually, as I was thinking about it, I was realizing how many I've actually read in the last year or so that did involve magic in some way or witchcraft. And most of them are contemporary stories. So these Mm -hmm. are people of the 2020s. It's weird to say. Who are practicing magic. I do have a few historical wrecks as well, though. So the first one is called (laughs) A Very Witchy Yuletide. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, by D. Lieber, just the letter D. Lieber. Okay. And this was actually one of our, we talked about Cocktober, but our December theme every year for the podcast is the 12 Days of Boobsmas. Mm -hmm. And this was one of our Boobsmas reads in December 2020. It's the only romance novel, let alone novel, I've ever read that follows a Wiccan family. Ooh. Loved it. It's an interracial romance. The heroine is also disabled. She's legally blind. So the diverse representation in it is fantastic. And it's all about a found family coming together to celebrate Yule, which... I did not know enough about, and now I feel like a part of me wants to celebrate Yule every year because I found it so beautiful. So absolutely recommend. Next one is called Hex, Love, and Rock and Roll (laughs) (laughs) by by Kat Turner. And this was actually a Cocktober read from... The same Cocktober that you and Sasha joined me for. This was just another book that we read that month. Mm-hmm. And I know that the author has more coming in this series, but it's about an amateur witch who is also a yoga teacher in sure. Minnesota. Love it. <laughs> so I got a kick out of it because I currently live in Minnesota mm-hmm. and she falls in love with an aging rock star. <laughs> So what's not to love? And then the best thing is that there is a lot of talk about crystals. Perfect. And there is basically this evil plot that all the bad things happening in the world are because of this weird, like, eyes wide shut Hollywood conspiracy group. Amazing. (laughs) It's really funny and it basically is all about how Hollywood is evil and like destroying the world so there's that one this one is a little bit different this one is called Caroline's Heart by Austin Chant and what's this is a novella so it's a short read it's less than like a hundred pages I think and it takes place in the 1800s in Texas of all places and times who'd have thunk but (laughs) It's one of the only books I've read that explores more of like natural witchcraft. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot about herbs and using the earth. And one of the characters, she's lost a loved one and she builds this shrine and there's vines growing out of the shrine. And it's, it's really beautifully written. Like the words are just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So The other thing that's great about it is there's actually trans representation in the book. Yeah. And it's, it's very beautifully handled. So I was a big fan of that one. That was also a Cocktober read. So if you want to read it or just listen to me talk about reading it, (laughs) (laughs) there's that option as well. Also, Um, it's Cocktober year round. 
You're in the quarantine times. Cocktober year-round. Don't fight it. It's, it's happening. True. It's true. It's always Cocktober on Spoop Hour. <laughs> it's true. It really is. <laughs> okay. So this next one is a more recent contemporary romance, and it's called Take a Hint, Danny Brown by Talia Hibbert. And she has three books in this series. But the thing about romance series is that most of the books can be read as standalones. You don't have to read them all in a row. Mm -hmm. And this is the Brown Sisters series. So every book tells the story about a different sister within the Brown family. And this one's my favorite of the three because I love the characters so much. The heroine is a bisexual PhD student who is also a practicing witch. The hero going on. Damn. (laughs) I I know she's, she's fantastic. And she also has like colorful hair and like great personality. And the hero is a thick with two C's campus security guard (gasps) who loves reading romance novels in his spare time. Amazing. I know. This is literally my ideal man. And they're also both BIPOC characters. They begin a fake relationship for reasons that will only make sense if you read the book. I love a fake relationship. Oh, me too. It's one of my favorite tropes to read. And so it basically encompasses everything I love about romance. And I will always recommend Talia Hibbert books because I think... I think her books are a great look at what modern romance novels are today, as opposed to like people having this idea about Fabio on the cover. And I'm just like, no, 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 we're so done with that. Like, this is romance today. And Mm -hmm. this is the direction it's going. And it's beautiful. So there's that one. And then I have two more. One of them is actually a series. And this is one where you might want to read them in order just to kind of Get the full picture, but it's called the Bayou Magic series Ooh. by Kristen Proby. Yeah. And this one, the first book is called Shadows. The second book is called Spells. And the third book, which hasn't come out yet, it'll come out this October, is called Serendipity. And it follows three sisters who live in New Orleans. And first of all, New Orleans, like super spoopy, super right? Super haunted, yeah. One of the most yeah. haunted cities in America. It's really interesting, like some of the tidbits that she puts in there. I actually interviewed Kristen Proby, the author, mm-hmm. for an Instagram live, and she was telling me about like her obsession with with New Orleans and like the ghost tours that she's been on and everything. And it just sounds so incredible. But mm-hmm. what's cool is that all the sisters each have their own unique gift. So one of them can see the dead. She sees these shadows. Duh, it's called shadows. But she sees these dead people just like walking in and around New Orleans. Um, One of them is a hedge witch and a psychic. So she actually like makes a living off of being a psychic and being a witch and people come to her for her to give them spells. Mm -hmm. And then the last one, this one is really interesting to me and her book isn't out yet. She's a psychometric. Are you familiar with this? I don't think I am. Okay. So apparently psychometrics can touch objects and see the past 
through them. So she can like touch. And I think in the book, she owns an antique shop. So it's like she can touch a desk and be like, yeah, this desk was owned by Abraham Lincoln. And then it went here and then it went there. And she can see like the whole past associated with these objects. Nice. So I thought that was pretty dope. (laughs) That's a pretty cool power. Yeah, and then the last one I want to recommend, this one is not witchy or magical at all, but what it does do is it actually starts with the whole idea of this girl going to get a love potion. Um, Actually, I think it's a perfume. She buys a perfume that she's told will attract the love of her life. Mm -hmm. And throughout the book, she thinks that because she has found someone to love her, it must only be because of the perfume. And, and that becomes like a running, a running thing that they talk about in this book and the other books that follow, but it's called it happened one autumn by Lisa Kleipas. And this is a historical romance. So it's an American girl living in England in like Regency era. So she's, Mm -hmm. she's very improper. She plays, you know, baseball in the (gasps) fields with everyone. Yes. Such a bad, bad American girl. And, (laughs) but I did like that. It was the closest I could think of as far as like a love potion goes in a romance novel. And I'm sure there are better examples, but that is the one I came up with. So if you're looking for some witchy, sexy reads, there you go. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> oh, awesome. boy. I love it. Well, thank you for coming on with your recommendations. This was fun. This was, this was fun. I love what we can do. Like, we did it for not this most recent Valentine's Day episode, but last year's Valentine's Day episode, we did kind of a, like, sexy crystal, sexy ghost episode. And I love when we can get salacious with our spoop. That's always fun for me. So thank you for coming on and being salacious with me. (laughs) Oh, anytime. Thank you. (laughs) And we'll definitely have to have you back when Sasha is, has returned from the Sasha Atis. Fabulous. So thank you for (laughs) listening. Thank you for joining. If you have a sexy ghost story or you've tried a love spell or you read a book about a love spell, you want to tell us about it, or if you just want to like recommend a book for us to read, email spoopar at gmail.com. We would love to hear it. So Kelly, again, thank you for coming on. And thank you. Always fun. You know, wear your masks, wash your hands, you know, watch out for big fat peonies. Just stop putting semen in drinks. <laughs> don't don't accept drinks if you don't know where they came from because they could have dead guy <laughs> semen in it. Like just, you know, make good choices. If you learn nothing else, make good choices. <laughs>